is the number one commodity in the world that you can't get back once it's gone. Time. So I will keep this brief. I'm Muthita Panmuk, a time efficiency expert and a business operations strategist, who is as known as the Time Queen. Welcome to my Get Unstuck Radio. Running a business can be very overwhelming at times, especially in the first few years when you are required to wear the hats and do other things. You started your company because you had a vision that almost every business owner has when they begin. You wanted freedom, true freedom. So you are in the right place to help you build and grow your business that support your lifestyle. Not the other way around. Without further ado, let's get unstuck. Hi, get unstuck nation. So today, um, I have an awesome guest that will helps you enhance your week, improve your week, and we will get right into the mindset today. So please welcome David Taylor Klaus from DTK Coaching. Um, David, reintroduce successful entrepreneurs and senior executive to their family. Isn't that interesting? A serial entrepreneur, David, is recognized for combining candor, intelligence, and humor with masterful coaching. He challenged all the leaders and their teams to reach their highest level of performance in their professional and personal life. Of course, at Here Get Unstuck Nation, we support you to have the business that support your lifestyle, not the other way around. So I can't wait to introduce David to you. Thank you so much for joining Get Unstuck Radio today, David. You know, it's exciting to be here. I'm really looking forward to where our conversation goes. Yeah, I know. I know we are aligned so well. So before we get to the meat of the conversation, um, let's start from David, how you become an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I joke that, that I have ADHD and many, many entrepreneurs do as well. And I used to joke that you know, we, we're terrible at being employees and we keep getting fired. So we end up having to start our own gigs. And, and I realized that, that although that's fun and funny, I don't think it's really true. I think that we are, entrepreneurs are very impatient. And when the world isn't turning out the way we think it should and we think it could, we don't sit still. We go create something, ADD or not. That's what being an entrepreneur is, that we go create. So I became an entrepreneur because I saw a need and I reached out to fill it. I I was working for a company. I was a a partner in sales for a network consulting company. And there were three of us. So we were sort of triopreneurs um, because we were effectively working for ourselves. And then I noticed that all of the technology, I mean, all of the advertising agencies and PR firms and marketing communications groups that were our clients their clients were asking them about what's this internet thing and this was 1995 and they couldn't answer they kept asking us because we were their technology partner and i said i don't know let me find out (laughs) so i did some research i started learning more about it and i said this is what the internet is here let me build you a website and then somebody said yes and i went oh crap then three days learning how to code (laughs) <laughs> so, 
So that's how I became an entrepreneur. I started building web. My partner and I started a company building websites. And then we put a name at the bottom and people started seeing our name and started calling. And then more people started calling and we did more sites and it exploded. We spent 14 years doing internet strategy and web development, starting at the earliest stages of the internet and had a blast doing it most of the time. That's life. Wow. Yeah. And, and how you become a coach then? That's, um, <laughs> that's like, I was two years old when you started that company. So I'm not going to tell you how I am right now. But <laughs> that's okay. When I graduated college, the internet didn't exist. So then I had an entire career in a field that didn't exist when I graduated college. So um, fascinating world. No, I became a coach because remember when I said I had a blast doing it most of the time? had a long stretch where I fell victim to what so many entrepreneurs fall victim to. I thought that what I was living was the good life. And I realized in a very, very painful awakening that I was living the should life. I was leading the company I thought I should lead. I was leading the way I thought I should lead. I was taking on the kind of clients I thought I should be taking on. And it sucked. I got to a point where I was so disconnected from what was important to me. <laughs> and I laughed because it, I really had convinced myself it was something else. Every time I turned the doorknob to my office, my stomach would turn. And I spent a year convincing myself, that, oh, it must be the spicy food or caffeine. So I tried to get rid of caffeine and spicy food and then realized after a year of pretending, no, man, I, I was. I was dying inside. I was that disconnected. And um, I, I had a, around Hurricane Katrina weekend, this is back in August of 2005, I had a very dark awakening that I was no longer, well, how real do you want me to get? Yeah, I mean, go ahead. I'm still listening. Um, I became aware that the only thing I knew for sure was the five best ways to kill myself. I had gotten so lost that I couldn't convince myself anymore that it was going okay. And so about 10 years into the company, I spent those next several years recalibrating, reconnecting to what I wanted to what I wanted for my family, to what I wanted this world to look like. It's like, I learned then the difference between a manager and an entrepreneur. Mm. Stick with me for a minute, right? I had become a manager. I had this goal that I thought I was supposed to be following and I was managing the execution of all these plans that I thought had the highest likelihood of reaching that goal, just like a manager. Problem was, it wasn't my goal. See, well, here's what an entrepreneur does. An entrepreneur decides what she wants to be true, and then she sets about creating the conditions to make that truth reality. That's the difference between a manager and an entrepreneur, or managerial thinking and entrepreneurial thinking. Then I switched gears. I switched into that entrepreneurial mode again. It was daring to declare what I wanted to see different in the world and then 
relentlessly creating the conditions to make that reality. That turned it around. And so after four years of reshaping the company with my partner, she wanted to run it without me and I wanted to go coach. So <laughs> I spent about five quarters coaching and leading this company and then sold to my partner in December of 09 and went full-time coaching. Mm. So can, can I ask you to go back like a bit? Who told yeah. you that like the word shoot occurs in your mind? Like the way that you should work, the way that you want the company to grow back in the days. Who told you that? Well, yeah. So I've had a lot of conversations about that recently. Part of it is the way we're raised by our families, by our communities, by our faith communities, by our cult, you know, our, our regional and national cultures. It's so that acculturation and education and socialization gives us rules of what it's supposed to look like. You know, the big house, the three cars, the vacation house, the kids in private school, the dogs. I mean, all the things that I guess media paints that picture. And that isn't what lights me up. And we, you know, I responded to those. Okay, there's a great book that actually explains it. It's called The Four Agreements. It's by a man named Don Miguel Ruiz. And one of the things he talks about is the idea of domestication. And by the way, if you are an entrepreneur or you're going to be an entrepreneur, buy the book, read the book, read it again. Um, it's about 120 pages. There are no excuses not to read it. Get it on Audible if you have to. I don't care. Because it helps you see where, you know, you, you can live one of two ways. You can have rules by which you live your life, or you can have those unwritten rules that run your life. That he calls domestication, those unwritten rules that are running your life. That's where we get caught up in the shoulds. That's where we get caught up in the have-tos. That's where we get caught up in the oughts and the musts. And that's where we get disconnected from who we truly are, what's truly important to us. And so learning how to separate the rules that you've been given, the agreements you've inherited, and how to lean into the things that really move you, that's the most important thing an entrepreneur can ever do is learn who they are, what lights them up, and do that, and only that. What, what is your opinion? Why people discover themselves? Your sound cut. Say, ask the question oh, again. Sorry. So what would be, what is your opinion regarding to, can you hear me? No? Um, oh, there you are. You're back. Say again. Yeah. Um, what is your opinion about why it took so long for each entrepreneur to know themselves? Why is always like that? Oh, because we're not taught to pay attention to ourselves. Mm. We're not taught to go in. We're not, the one relationship we're never taught to develop is the one with ourselves. The one we're never encouraged to go deeper on is the one with ourselves. The one we're never taught to fix and heal and nurture is the relationship with ourselves. And then whether it's in your forties or your fifties, you go, holy shit, that's the one I've been ignoring. That's why I'm so miserable. But that's the thing. You don't have to wait until you have this midlife crisis and blow everything up. You can have a midlife clarity anytime. Mm, I like the, that. The one relationship you need to pay the most attention to is right here, is yourself. Period, end of story. <laughs> because you can't give what you haven't got. Mm, 
If you don't take care of yourself, if you don't feed yourself, if you don't nurture yourself, if you don't take care of your body, you're not worth shit to anybody else because you're running on fumes and dead batteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if somebody had told me that, if, you know, 30 years ago, I would have argued. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's the piece that nobody taught me. And do you think that at some point in life, we have to go through that path? Until we break through. Cut out again. At some point in life, what? At some point in life, do you? I think maybe you are airport better. No. I'm gonna try something else because you keep cutting. So, try. Okay, go. Yeah, I think your airport battery low. That's why. Uh, it's coming. <laughs> okay, I'll be good now. You hear me clearly? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. Where were we? Okay. Um, Why does it take so long? Yes. Yeah. I mean, do you think at some point in our life, we have to go through that part of breakdown until we break through? Like, do do everyone need this lesson? Does it have to? Well, there are two questions there. Does everybody need need the lesson or does it have to be a breakdown to break through? Mm. Um, Yes, everybody needs the lesson until we start raising our children differently, until we start raising adults they just happen to be kids while we have them teaching them the important stuff yeah then everybody will have that lesson as they grow up but in the meantime that's the reason that coaches exist and the reason therapy is exploding and because it's fixing all the stuff we didn't do or get or understand early on yes everybody has the opportunity to go through this. Some people can live blissfully unexamined lives their entire life, but that's not how we're wired. We're actually wired for Mm self-reflection. And there's a point at which we all tip into it, whether it's in your 20s, 30s, 50s, 60s, it doesn't matter. Everybody will eventually get that pull. Do you respond by pulling back or do you respond by leaning in? I also noticed some rhythm, I would call it rhythm though, that many people have a big true already, but then they still go back to the same way of living. Oh yeah, okay. Because your brain is wired against you. Um, this, this is a lot of, this gets into why I wrote the book the way I wrote the book. Here's, your brain is, is wired for routine, right? It to go back. So the more often you've had a thought or made or had taken an action or repeated a belief, the more likely you are for those to repeat because in the brain, we're gonna do a little nerdy brain science for about a minute, okay? (laughs) Each neuron has a body and then this long thing at the end called an axon, right? And then it's got little connectors at either end of both. So here's the thing, the electricity runs across your neurons and each time electricity runs across an axon, it gets a little more myelin, a little more fat laid along that long piece, that axon. And the more fat that's on it, the faster the electricity goes and the more likely it is to conduct electricity, right? So the more you have a behavior or a thought or a a habits created, the fatter that sheath becomes and the more the electricity wants to go that way. Well, to to make a different decision, to build a different habit, you have to have a neural, a different neural pathway followed. 
That means you have a choice of the one neural pathway where the electricity wants to go, like water likes to go downhill, right? Or you can push it the other direction. But here's the trick. You have to, to create a new habit, you have to follow that neural pathway a lot of times over a long duration of time so that that neural pathway gets the fat on it and the other neural pathway of the old behavior starts to get less fat and less likely to conduct electricity. And the problem is we are impatient. We're just tall children, right? We don't wanna do something over and over again and we don't wanna do it for a long enough time to create a new habit. So we try it three or four times and say, crap, it doesn't work. And then your brain goes right back to the same neural pathway it did every other time because that's the way it's wired. And so I say that the brain is wired against change for a reason. It's wired for sameness. And so when we want to create another habit, we've got to do small actions repeated with frequency for several weeks at a time in order to build a new habit. And that's not what people like to do right now. We have a supercomputer in our pocket. We have access to information instantaneously. We have an app that'll do everything. Why should we have to do something over and over again? Because that's the way your brain works. So that's, that's the challenge. That's why so many entrepreneurs revert back to old patterns because those old patterns are still strong. Even though it's not comfortable. Even though it's not comfortable, even though it doesn't move us in the direction we really want to go, that's the habit that's created. I heard somebody describe it once as a barn happy horse. And I'd never heard that before. So what's that? He goes, well, you and a group of people are on your horses and you're riding to somewhere. The minute you step off the horse, it runs back to the barn because that's right where it's comfortable. Well, your brain is a giant barn happy horse. That's what it does. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. That's why every time that we're going to start something new, fear occurs. Like you need to conquer something that hard. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, can I go back a little bit that you mentioned that um, you discover the difference between manager and entrepreneur? Yeah. So when you say that, but I also have some belief though that at the very beginning of the business, not in a long run, I agree, not in a long run, but in the beginning, the business owner, entrepreneur, him or herself needs to be understand every single pieces of the foundation, meaning that they still have to manage it until it's settled and it's sealed. What do you think? This episode is sponsored by Mutita Clothing, like what I'm wearing right here. So if you are a petty sized lady who are looking for high quality apparels as well as a neat cutting and premium pattern, check it out at mutitaclothing.com so that you can be simply elegant by no time. Let's get back to the episode. Well, yes, yes and no. Yeah, so there, there are a couple pieces there. Yeah, the business owner has to understand the way the business works and not necessarily can do everything, but so that they can manage the other people that are doing those things. And at a certain point, the business owner should no longer be managing the execution of those things. They should be managing the systems that run the business. Yeah. The, the, Michael Gerber wrote a book called The E-Myth. Yeah. And the reason it became the Bible for entrepreneurs is because it teaches entrepreneurs to build their business as if 
they're going to franchise it, even if they never intend to make it a franchise. Meaning that you build systems and processes that run the business and you run those systems instead of you being the system or being the process, right? Because at some point, the owner of a business, even if they're part of the delivery, I'm part of the delivery because I coach. My zone of genius is, is coaching clients, writing content for clients, and enrolling new clients. Every minute I spend doing anything else, I'm outside of my zone of genius. I'm outside of the highest and best use of my time. There need to be people or systems that are running everything else. And by the way, that doesn't matter if you're a company of one or you've got a team of hundreds or thousands, it's you getting to the place where you're spending the vast majority of your time in the highest and best use and in your zone of genius. And whether it's VAs or whether it's you know, contractors outside or eventually employees handling everything else, it's exhausting being the system. That's what burns most of us out. But before that though, you have made all the decisions that you prefer to get the outcome, am I correct? Before you let someone do it for you. Well, yeah, I had a bad habit of making the decisions of how I wanted it done then hiring other people to come in and do it and then telling them how it should be done. And that cost me a lot of money and a lot of, a, a lot of time because the best leaders hire people smarter than they are and then get out of their way. I want to be attached to the outcome, not the how, to what gets done and the quality of how it's completed, but not how it's done because they may have a better idea of process or system or structure for it. The execution of it is no longer mine and it needs not to be mine. So if it's not mine, then it's up to them how they get it done. So long as it meets the requirements, the requirements are the completed piece, not the how and entrepreneurs across the board have a hard time letting go of things that they set up. But but I did it that way. And it was great when I did it that way. Yeah, but if we do it this way, cost less, goes faster, less stress, hands off easier. Yeah, but I did it that way. <laughs> and that's hard. It's no longer your job. Yeah. Letting go of what's not yours is the entrepreneur's challenge. But if they haven't created that yet, but already let someone do it for them, how does that sound? I, look, it's even better. It's oh, really? again... Yeah, it's this is what the outcome has to look like. I don't care how you get it done. Well, legally and ethically, yes, it has to be legal and ethical. But it's not my job to figure out how it gets done. Right. Where's the outcome that's required? You get it done. Okay. This is my opinion, though. But when that person who helped this company quit the job, how that's going to be if it hasn't been created at the first place? Oh, well, there's also, well, if it's been created and that person leaves, it, the other piece is everything has to be documented along the way. Mm-hmm. That's part of setting up the systems and structures so that if somebody gets hit by a bus, right, or somebody, I don't know, during the pandemic has to work from home and ends up leaving because they're taking care of a parent and children. Wow. Who saw that coming? If it's not documented, you're screwed. So the trick is not having people be the system. It's having people run the systems. You have to document everything. I do, I've been doing Mindset Mondays live broadcast every week 
for three and a half years. Wow. And I have I have a Google Doc that has the steps of what has to be done each time. I read something, you know, I read a quick blurb on Wednesday, put it into the, the live system, and it spits it out into the four platforms. And then I've got to do two more things to an email and I'm done. That system is set up. I still use the checklist three and a half years later. Yeah. Because that's how you keep from screwing up. That's a system or a structure. Mm-hmm. And if you follow those systems and things are documented, that can be handed off anytime. When I'm out of town, out of the country, I write it in advance. I send it to them. Every The team sets it up, done. Yeah. that's Because there's a process. That's the ideal. So until when did you realize that? <laughs> I, I got advice 20 years ago to hire an administrative assistant. And my partner and I rejected, that was 25 years ago. We were like, no, no way, non-revenue generating position, can't see the value in it, blah, blah, blah. They said, no, no, no. All the time you're spending doing your own admin, you're either out working on the strategy or bringing in new clients. That's the highest and best use. It will far offset what you pay this person. Yeah, no, 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 no. And we fought it and we fought it and we fought it. When my wife started her coaching practice the year before I did, 13 years ago, She hired a bookkeeper before she had the first client. So when I started coaching, we had a bookkeeper. We had somebody who could do a lot of the admin stuff as well. And all that crap was off my plate. And I had more time to do what I was uniquely qualified and uniquely suited to do. It's like, holy crap, this is a good idea. Mm -hmm. So I, I was stubborn and I fought it until I experienced it. Then I was like, oh, duh. Give away everything that you're not good at, everything you suck at, everything you shouldn't be doing, and stick to the stuff you're supposed to be doing. That's what an entrepreneur is working towards. Always. Are you joyful right now running your business this day? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I do, I do phenomenal work for very fascinating people, and I love what I do. Yeah. It's a joke. I get paid ridiculously well to do something I love doing so much that I do it for free. That's the perfect scenario. Yeah, exactly. So how do you think the mindset shift contribute to this point? That's, there, there's one quote that sort of rocked my world, and I use it in the introduction to my book, that we do not see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Mm-hmm. And, and when I first saw the quote, it sort of frustrated me. It's like, don't give me that responsibility. It's incredibly freeing, though, because that means that the lens that I use to see the world changes how I see it and colors how I collect evidence and changes my experience. So that means that if I change the lens through which I see the world, I change my world. I am in complete control of my experience. That is a game changer for every entrepreneur. It's no longer the world is happening to me. I I can't change what's happening out there. I have complete control over how I react to it and how I respond to it. And that gave me so much more comfort and, and peace in my world. And if you ever meet an entrepreneur who feels at peace in their world, that is a happy human. Yeah. Let me tell you, 
we need to <laughs> yes like right now my dog is sleeping i'm in peace now right yeah so yeah i mean but do you think so this is just like a how to say that um assumption each person when they got stuck or they were like oh man i'm at the bottom already but like i need to make change but i don't know how so how long a person normally would take or like in general to change and become who yeah. they are again it's actually a, an incredibly powerful question because here's the truth of it it's only when the when the discomfort or the pain of the status quo outstrips the fear of change that change ever happens it's uh, the, the the concept is contrast somebody if you take a pot of hot water and toss a frog in it the frog is going to jump out because there's discomfort there's pain there's contrast but if you put a frog in lukewarm water and slowly turn up the heat the frog will swim until it boils to death because there's not enough contrast and humans are the same way we can we can gloss over little bits of discomfort but until the pain gets enough or the discomfort becomes enough we're not going to do anything to change it that's how we're wired unfortunately. So it depends how uncomfortable does somebody get, how quickly. You know, that kind of change happens little by little, then all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I got to change everything. And the trick is, we, <laughs> we, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a short period of time. And then we try to change too much at a swing. Let me explain it a different way. You know, the goal is to dream bigger than you've ever dreamed before. but then take smallest actions possible towards that dream. It's the small actions repeated with frequency that create the biggest change over time. But it's like everybody's swinging for the fence, like they're trying to hit a home run. It's the base hits that win, always, forever. It's the small actions repeated with frequency over duration that changes your life. And that is the hardest. It's the hardest to get started. To get started. But it builds into a pattern. And all we need to do is build a routine that takes a little bit of time. And then that becomes the well-worn neural pathway where the electricity likes to go. That becomes your default. <sighs> Depends on whose research you like. It takes three to four weeks to build a new habit. You can maintain a new behavior, a new way of thinking, being, or doing for a month you have a much higher likelihood of creating massive change going forward. You just have to make it through those first 30 days. That's why these 20 day challenge, these 30 day challenge happen. Uh-huh. I see. So actually, those who say that they don't have routine, they do have routine. It's just the way that they come forward, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, we were talking about, you know, successful people have a morning routine and, and, you know, most people get who, who espouse this idea, get up early, meditate, exercise, this, 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 they have a routine. I have a friend who's an intuitive. And one of the things she spoke to was routines look different for different people. 
she gets up and the first thing is she checks in on what her intuition tells her and what she does that day is based on that. So routines can look like all kinds of different things. The trick is, is it real, (laughs) right? Are you following something? What is the guidance? Are you following a structure? Are you following intuition? The, The question is, are you following whatever it is consistently? That's what makes it a routine. So don't get caught up in doing it the way you think you should, right? Listen, that whole idea of getting up at, at five o'clock in the morning and doing da, 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 it would kill my wife. She's a late night person. She's not early morning. So she gets up at eight instead of five. And then she her routine goes from there because getting up at five, she would be homicidal. <laughs> I get up early. I have, we have different ways of doing it. So it depends. Your routine has to be your routine, something that works for you in your life with your business, not the way you should do it. Should is crappy. (laughs) In case anyone wants to work with you and then follow more of your wisdom here, where can they reach out to you then, David? Easiest place to find me. The name of my book is Mindset Mondays with DTK. So go to mindsetmondayswithdtk.com. It'll be in the show notes. And two things. Yes, you can learn more about the book and more about me and what I do in my practice. You can also download the Rewire Framework. That's the structure I built for the book that helps you incorporate new ways of thinking, being, or doing into your world. Downloading the framework is free. You can adapt it to your world and use it to make learning stick. So that's always there for you. And I've got a 30-day challenge that I run called a Momentum Challenge. You'll find out more at the website. You can always dive in there. Awesome. Thank you so much, David, for sharing your knowledge today. And yeah, the information check in the description on the show notes and don't miss anything that can rewire your life and change the way you see the world. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care. I hope this episode inspires you to get unstuck wherever you are in your journey so that you can have your business that support your lifestyle. Get a show note at helpyougetunstuck.com today. Start implementing what you have learned. The results of your consistent effort and improvement are worth it because you deserve the freedom to enjoy your life. Speak to you next time and don't forget to get unstuck.